Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has participated in this series uh, so far. We're continuing in a series we started a while back called We Are the Church, and uh, Gonna gonna keep going, I think, for a little while here, and uh, at least a few weeks, and and maybe longer, even though we may change the name of things. But I want to say thank you, to, especially to uh, Graydon and to Isaiah and to Lindy and to Micah and to James last week. Everyone just did a great job, one after another after another. We're going to be in Acts 13 this morning, so if you would go ahead and open your Bibles there to Acts chapter. 13, I'll do the same thing as well. And, and in this series, uh, I just want to review a little bit. What <laughs> It's funny, be, no, it's funny. It's been a crazy season. Let me <laughs> reframe it funny. It's not funny, but uh, just all the things that have happened during this time, it's just been absolutely mind-boggling. That would be a better word, the better way to say it. And so, I mean, way back when, I mean, back in April when we thought it would be over in June, uh, or May, you know, we said, hey, let's, this is a wild time. Let's talk about, let's dig down and talk about being the church. Let's look at some lessons from Acts. And I mean, we were already going, let's dig down to our values. Let's, uh, we're in this liminal space. We've left something. We're going into a new place we haven't gone to before. And so let's say, Holy Spirit, how are you leading us through this space and into this new place? And that was even before the death of George Floyd and all the things that have happened since then with protests and social unrest and, and just the, the way this whole thing is just elongated even. We weren't, people weren't expecting it to kind of keep going the way it has. And so these words have just been really important. We started off the series looking at on Pentecost, literally, and the Holy Spirit bringing people together from across nationalities and racial lines and ethnic lines and, and being able to communicate and hear one another and understand. And we talked about empathetic love and hearing one another in the body of Christ here. We talked about community. We talked about uh, going to the Gentiles, those that we consider other with the good news of Jesus Christ. We talked about valuing the differences in each other. We talked about spiritual warfare and how to work through that. We talked about creating a culture of honor and listening to Jesus, who is the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice. Uh, we talked about uh, be, becoming a people of prayer. And I just want to say on all of those fronts, um, if you've been listening to uh, people pass along a message to me from some this church or that church or people we're in relationship with or sometimes even people we don't have that much relationship with. But these kinds of words that we've been sharing are what the Lord is saying to the body of Christ right now. And I, I just want to emphasize like what we're hearing here at Antioch Fort Worth, we're also hearing from other parts of the body. And, and I'm not surprised. I mean, we're saying, Jesus, you are the head of the church, lead us. And then you hear somebody else saying a very similar word. And so today we're going to keep asking that question. Holy Spirit, how are you leading us through this time? And so I, the, the message I, I'm entitling it, Remember and Respond. And we're going to go through Acts 13, just do a flyover of the whole chapter. But remember and respond. And I'm saying that in contrast. I was walking this morning and felt like, yeah, that's in contrast to forget and react. 
We don't want to forget and react to everything that's going on. We don't want to forget who we are. We want to remember who we are. And we want to respond with faith in the Holy Spirit to how God is leading us forward. And, you know, I want to start with a deep truth here. There are trials in life. There are sufferings in life. And that may even be the whole message next week. I haven't gotten clear on that. But, but Paul says uh, he gets chased out of town at the end of Acts chapter 13. And they, the people follow. He goes to Iconium and then he goes to Lystra. And the people that chased him out of town actually followed him to Lystra. And they stoned him. I mean, they, you know, did rocks on him and, and dragged him out of the city as though dead. Now, I think a lot of times if somebody thinks they're killing somebody or they've killed somebody, maybe they did. I, I, what, what it goes on to say is the, the believers gathered around him and then he got up. Wow. You know, just my own little parenthetical thinking, you know, Paul knew a man who went to the third heaven, you know. I've, often, I've wondered, was that when it happened, you know? But he gets up and he goes on his way. He's still going to these churches in the Galatia area. And his, he, he says in the letter, you know, my eyes were messed up. I mean, I just, he left the next day with Barnabas. Can you imagine what he would look like? Like a Picasso, you know, kind of something. Just like messed up. He was stoned and left for dead the day before. And he's up and he's, you know, whatever, going on his way. But he tells the disciples, and here's the thing, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So the, there's a theology of the cross and of suffering. That's, maybe that's next week's sermon. I'll, I'll save it. But so, you know, we're in this season that just kind of keeps continuing. I've had, I've talked in a, in a number of different conversations with people and they said, I'm just done. I'm done with this and I, w- I just, I want it to be over. And it's not. And we continue to press on and to press forward. Acts 13 starts and ends with the Holy Spirit. So I just want to set that up here. In verse in chapter 13, verse 2, they're worshiping, fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart from being Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then you scroll all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. So, hmm, I wonder what happened in between there. The Holy Spirit sending them out, and the Holy Spirit at the end filling them with joy in the very presence of God. His presence, the Holy Spirit. And that is the stuff of life. That's what we're going to see here today. It's the stuff of life. And so here's the main thing. You're following along. The Holy Spirit is leading us through this time by helping us remember our core identity as the church, and then respond with faith. To remember our core identity and respond with faith. So let's look at this. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps us remember our identity. Let's read those first three verses together. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a member of the court of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. You know, going all the way back 27 years to the beginning of when we planted this church, all those long time ago, you know, Antioch was a hero church for us. Always has been. Yeah, just, you know, of course, you, you want to, our deal was we wanted to be like the church we read about in the New Testament, but we also knew like, 
hey, there's some, there's some messed up stuff. You know, there's some like immorality in Corinth and legalism in Galatia and, you know, everybody's, <laughs> Ephesians losing their first love. There's some stuff going on there you've got to overcome. But Antioch, man, I just, we, we loved Antioch. You know, we, that was a hero church for us and they were diverse. They were multi-ethnic. They had different differences in the church. They had different socioeconomic levels. You, you get some of that. They, they had different giftings. They had different nas- uh, uh, ethnicities. All of that beautiful depth of diversity was right there in Antioch. And I don't think it's, it's by chance that this is the one that is the reproducing church because you've got different ethnicities that go, hey, I could see the gospel going to my people. I could see the gospel going to my people. And then I know there's some other people over there with my people that could get the gospel too. And so it's not surprising that the reproducing, multiplying church is Antioch. And we treasure that. And so I love this picture of leadership living in the core. You know, it's just a window. It's not everything they're doing. It's not, it's not like a full description of the way they live their lives and stuff. But it is a window to how they process. They were seeking the Lord. They were practicing spiritual disciplines. They were worshiping. They were praying. They're waiting on God. Lord, show us what to do. And then the Holy Spirit speaking and leading them. So all of that's just just beautiful. I love that. We want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. In fact, one of our life verses as a church, our motto verse for many, many years on all of our documents was Acts 13, 36 that David served God's purpose in his own generation, and then he died. I just, I, what, a, what a grave marker, you know, to serve God's purpose in our generation. That's what we want to do. Have we arrived? No way. We have not arrived. But we're in the game. We're further along than when we started. You know, and, uh, you know, when we started, it was 13 adults and 14 kids, and everybody was white the whole church, but we had a vision for more diversity than that. And we kept planting churches. We wanted to see, we wanted to do this thing that we're seeing here. And we got to see that happen over and over and over again with hundreds of people being sent out, churches being planted. We're still involved in that. Even right now, some of our own Missionaries are trying to get back into their countries, you know, and it's just complicated in this COVID season that we're at. But, you know, when diversity wasn't happening because we, uh, be, because we lived in a place where everybody was the same, there was like 0.03 minorities in the place where we lived, we saw Fort Worth and we started to get a vision for Fort Worth. And we ultimately sold our homes and moved down here as missionaries to Fort Worth with a vision to be more diverse, to be a multi-ethnic church, a multi-ethnic epicenter Life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting, Father's love, receiving, Holy Spirit-empowered church. That's, you know, Milgamerk McFlurhessick. And um, just as a reminder, if you need that, um, in your living rooms. There's three people laughing here, so I I don't know if that's working for you guys over there. But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit helps us remember who we are, that we are God's family, that we are God's, that God's family is one in all of its diversity, a worldwide multi-ethnic family. And you know, there's been challenges at each step along the way. I know somebody would go, well, man, we're not far enough along yet, and, and we're not, but we're trying. You know, we're in the game. We're, you know, and 
You know, if somebody could do it better, bless you to go do it better. We're in process. You know, and there's, and there's, I will say this, there are challenges at every step along the way to live out this biblical vision that God's given us. There's challenges. You know, so we come down to, to Fort Worth and we originally start on the TCU campus with international ministry because that's who we had people that were reaching international students. But there's challenges along the way. The Browns, Randy and Anna go through our D school. They're living six doors down the street from us and in Hewland Bend. And then they move into Como and they live there for over a decade. And, and it's hard. You know, they're, they're taking steps, they're taking ground. And right now, River Tree, the school that they've helped to create educational opportunities for minorities, is, but that came out of taking steps, one after another, after another, after another. Hard stuff. Reaching, reaching refugees right now are our neighbors, are trying to reach the nations. All of those are part of this, uh, this vision of remembering our identity. And the Holy Spirit wants us to remember this is who we are. Another one is very much similar to that. The Holy Spirit helps us remember our mission, our mission, the mission itself. So we've got an identity of being the church, the life-giving, reproducing church, but also a mission. The Holy Spirit, while they were worshiping, fasting, said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And they fast and pray, lay their hands on them and send them out. And again, our dream was to see that happen over and over and over. I, I love that. That's still a, uh, James is in the room right now. And we've just, we've dreamed about that for years and years. And even though this isn't like, hey, let's all go be uh, missionaries overseas message, but it is, we're all on a mission. Everybody's on a mission. We are a missional church. We're the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. You know, and so we're missional people. We, we started and we had this phrase, missionary mindset. We want to be a, a people that have a missionary mindset that we, we think missionally. You know, we, when we planted the church, we said, what would we do if we were beamed in here from Africa? How would we live? What would we do? Because everybody's got boxes of tradition and things that they've grown up in. And it takes thinking outside of that box in order to reach different people. You know, in order to, to reach people. Everyone is a part of the mission. And we don't want to, uh, the way we've said it here for years is we don't want to send people overseas to do something that we're unwilling to do right here in Fort Worth, Texas. We want to be have this life in, in our midst, have people sharing the gospel, discipling, making disciples, having people grow up in the Lord, practicing what we're preaching. So remember the mission. The third piece there is that the Holy Spirit helps us to remember our message. So let's just read a few verses here together. And Paul, just to catch up here, Paul goes to Cyprus, has this crazy encounter with a magician guy. I just got to read this verse just because you just don't hear people saying this very often. He turns to him, this guy's, you know, trying to stop the work of God. He goes, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And darkness is about to come on you and you won't see the light of the sun for some time. Power encounter, right? So then Paul and Barnabas go to, his, now his name's Paul. He's, he's changed his name from Saul to Paul. And Paul goes, that they go to Antioch of Pisidia. And so there they go into the synagogue and he begins to, 
And they say, hey, if you got a word, so I, I don't know if he looks like a Pharisee. I don't know what it is. He's traveling. He's probably has something that marks him out as being a scholar or a Pharisee or something like that. And they say, hey, brothers, you got a word? And they say, yeah, we do. So they stand up in the synagogue and they share this word and they begin to share the story of Israel. And I'm going to come back to that, but look down at verse 26. Let's just read what Paul says in sharing the gospel. He's told a little bit of the story and he says in verse 26, my brothers, you descendants of Abraham's family and others who fear God to us, this message of salvation has been sent because the residents of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize him or understand his wor the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled those words by condemning him. Even though they found no cause for a sentence of death, they asked Pilate to have him killed. And when they had carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And now they are his witnesses to the people. We bring you the good news of what God has promised to our ancestors and that he's fulfilled for us, their children, by raising Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I've begotten you. And to his raising from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy promises made to David." Therefore, he's also said in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see, excuse me, I'm quoting NIV in my head, you will not let your Holy One experience corruption. Verse 36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, died and was laid beside his ancestors and experienced corruption. But he whom God raised up experienced no corruption. So let it be known to you, therefore, my brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from all those sins from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Okay, he's almost done with his sermon. I'm going to give the final finish to his sermon in just a minute. But here's the deal. So he preaches the faithfulness of God, the covenant faithfulness of God because of Jesus Christ the Son of God who is raised from the dead. It's through Jesus that he preaches that whole story, the good news of the risen, the crucified, buried, and risen Lord, that he is the King, that he is the Messiah that was promised, and that he is the true King and Lord of the world because of his resurrection from the dead. And through Jesus now, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed, freedom is proclaimed. You can be forgiven. You can be set free because of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, it is absolutely imperative that we see that Jesus is at the center of all that Paul's preaching. Now he starts off with the message about Israel and the history and everything, but he's looking at that story retrospectively through the lens of Jesus and saying, now, what is this story like? What's happening? Because Jesus is the Lord, because Jesus is the King, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And let me just focus on the truth for a second. Jesus is the truth, and he is the all-defining, the definitive truth of God. You don't put something else up beside him, some other idea about God, some other foundational statement of truth, and this is the fall of man at work. Whenever we try to do that, we are saying, yes, Jesus is the truth, but I also have some other philosophical ideas over here that I'd like to, some truth statements I'd like to make. And what we do as 
believers in the Lord who say that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the radiance of the glory of God. He is God putting himself on display. He's God in the flesh. There, to have God talk is to have Jesus talk. We're not saying that like there's no unchristlikeness in God, period. Now that's absolutely, so an example of what, what that looks like when we don't do that is even the way we do tracks sometimes, gospel tracks, like we are sinners. Instead of starting with Jesus, we start with us. We are sinners. God is holy. God can't have anything to do with sin. He can't have anything to do with us. Jesus died for our sins, and now we can have a relationship with God. Time out. To say we are sinners and God is holy and can't have anything to do with us, what about the incarnation? What about God becoming flesh? What about Jesus with two natures entering into our darkness, the light in our darkness, the truth in the midst of our lies? Jesus going around and touching sinners. A better plan is to start with Jesus, frame everything about God and the gospel. That's what Paul's doing here. He's framing the whole story centered in the person of Jesus. It's like Paul starting with Ephesians. And Ephesians 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, now we're getting to forgiveness. In him, we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Do you see how that gospel starts with Jesus and then unpacks the implications from before eternity into our reality right now? Ah, I'm starting to preach or something. So God, uh, I'll move on. So remember our message. The Holy Spirit leads us to remember our message and that we start with Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. And then we respond with faith. That's what Paul's going to challenge him to do here. So check it out. He's quoting Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. So this is the end of the sermon, what I'm about to read, the end of the sermon. Beware, therefore, that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perish. For in your days I'm going to do, I'm doing a work a work that you will never believe even if someone tells you. The end. Like, that's the end of the sermon. You know how I like to do a blessing? I'll, like, the Lord just bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. And we kind of finish that way most every single Sunday. We finish with a blessing. Paul's like, look, you scoffers. You're not even going to believe this even if someone tells you. And that's it. You know, and the wild thing is, you know, some people come up to him and say, hey, we want to hear some more. But it's important for us that we get what's going on there, what's really in that message. So look back at Habakkuk. That's chapter 1, verse 5, and it's an answer to Habakkuk's first complaint, which is verses 1 through 4. And the prophet says, Habakkuk says, uh, excuse me, verse 2, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? and you will not listen, or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? 
Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. And then is verse 5, the Lord's answer. Look at the nations and see. Be astonished, be astounded. For a work is being done in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So then Habakkuk complains some more to the Lord. Some more things are going wrong. And then in Habakkuk 2, the Lord answers again. And he says, write this vision down. Put it on the tablets. I'm going to give you something you can run with. And ultimately, he says then in verse 4, the second part of verse 4, which is quoted over and over again in the New Testament, over and over again. Second part of verse 4 says, but the righteous will live by faith. Now, this is imperative for us to understand this. The righteous will live by faith, by the covenant faithfulness of God. That's what the New Testament says over and over. That's what Paul's going to tell us over and over. That's what Romans unpacks for us, the covenant faithfulness of God. God made these promises. That's what he's sharing in that first part of that sermon there in Acts chapter 13. God made promises to his people. God kept those promises. God raised up this King David and said, he's going to have a son on the throne that's going to, his, his kingdom will go on forever and ever. It will endure for, before me forever. God's faithful to that promise. And he raises up Jesus Christ. God is faithful to his covenant promises and the righteous live by trusting in him. So we remember our identity, our mission and our message and we respond, how? With faith. Trusting in God, that God is going to do what God said he was going to do, that God has been faithful in Jesus Christ to bring about redemption, reconciliation, righteousness in him, forgiveness of sins, and setting us free from everything that bound us and held us captive. This is such good news. So they ask him then, hey, come back again next week. So he comes back. And when he comes back, then he starts preaching and the whole city gathers together. Got the whole Antioch, Pisidia gathering together there. But the Jews get stirred up. This is verse 45. Get stirred up, blaspheme against God, contradict what Paul and Barnabas were. And so they spoke out boldly, said, since you're, you consider yourself unworthy of eternal life, we're going to go to the Gentiles. And he quotes Isaiah 49. This is kind of like Paul's mission statement. I've set you to be a light for the Gentiles so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard it, they were glad and they praised the word of the Lord. And as many had been destined for eternal life became believers. And so the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Good news, eternal life is there for everyone in Jesus Christ. Come on, isn't that great? Good news, I, I just, I love it. But check it out. There's, a, there's another result here. We'll get down to the fullness of joy in the Holy Spirit in just a minute. But there's a warning here as well. And just a, a, a final thought, I think. We want to activate our faith. We want to be remembering who we are. We want to uh, respond with faith. But the warning here is, and I'll just say who it's for, it's for devout women. So if you're a devout woman, there's something to be on guard against here. And if you're a leading man, there's something to be on guard against here. And the warning is that the Jews, verse 50, 
incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their region. So the warning here is if you're a devout woman, watch out that you don't get incited by the religionists or by what's going on in the culture around us. Don't get excited. Get all stirred up. And if you're a leading man, don't get all stirred up and excited. Instead, remember and respond. Remember who you are, the mission and the message, and respond with faith. Adrian, come on up. Just a, a couple more thoughts here as we, as we wrap this up, and then I'll pray a blessing over us today. But uh, we, it's like our faith is something we have to, we, have to, we stir ourselves up. David one time was incredibly pressed. His, the women and children had all been taken away from his men uh, by, by a, a raiding party, and his own men wanted to kill him. And this, I, I believe, is 1 Samuel 30, verse 5. says, And David went and found his strength in the Lord. We, there is a place right now in this time that we're living in where we need to stir up and activate faith in our own hearts. Remember who we are. Stir up and remember our identity. Stir up and remember our mission. Stir up and remember uh, the, the message that God's called us to preach about Jesus Christ. And then we respond with faith. And it's the faithfulness of God ultimately. And we're saying, Jesus, give me your faith. You know, it's, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. He's done it. And we put our faith in His faithfulness. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And this time, it's hard to remember who we are sometimes. And we want to identify with some other lesser sub category of identification politics it's a subcategory from what i'm preaching and proclaiming to you right now jesus christ is lord and our allegiance is to jesus christ and we're going to keep saying that through this election season jesus christ is first and he is lord and i don't give my first allegiance to the democratic party or the republican party i give my first allegiance to the politics to the reign of jesus christ Jesus has a politic, you know, and it's, and it's expressed and lived out in his people, the church. And I don't put my identity in my age group. If I'm older, senior, or I'm in my 60s, or I'm in my 50s, or I'm in my 40s, or I'm in my 20s down here, and 20 people think different, you know, than all the older people. And I don't put my identity there, you know. And so I don't put my identity in the denomination that I was raised in, the tradition that I was raised in, as much as that might help me, that's not my identity. And it's not in, you know, do I believe enough of the right doctrines in order to, you know, I can look down on other people because they don't believe the same way as I do about baptism or about women, women's role in the church. Like, there is a core center, but then there's a whole lot of other disputable matters out there, and people are dividing like crazy right now and God has called this is a, a great time James just preached it. it's a great time of unity there's one loaf one body one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father overall 
And we need to uh, remember these things during this time. Not get caught up in what's going on around us. Not get carried away. Not lose our saltiness. The, 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 the distinctiveness of who we are as this one worldwide multi-ethnic family and just have the same kind of criticisms leveled at us, have the same kind of, you know, they've done studies and they found that, you know, people outside of the church judge the Christians as being judgmental. But then we don't want to just be that people during this time that just affirm all of those kinds of things. We want to be the most loving, the most serving, the most coming under people, the most living out the Sermon on the Mount, the most Jesus-focused kind of people like we're seeing here and talking about today. We remember our identity. We remember the message in the Lord and ask Him to help us. And you know what? He will lead us. The church is not going anywhere. Mark my words, Jesus is building his church. We can be confident that he's building his church. He's not going to stop doing that. And so we, we, everything's shaking, but we don't have to get rattled about that. He's building the church. And some of these things, I think, sound cliche if you've been around church for a while. But I want to tell you, right now is a time like never before in your life. And anybody that can hear me, it's a time like never before to put these things into practice. Not just hear about them and know them. I know it in my head, but we're living it out in these days like never before. Remember and respond, not forget and react. And that's the temptation, right? To just not remember and to react. So may the Lord help us. Let's pray together. Father, I ask right now that you would help us to process with our families Help the parents to help the children. Help roommates to help each other. Just to, to be clear about how we're tempted in this time and how focus on Jesus, the gospel, remembering who we are, our identity, our purpose, our mission, that you've given us to be a, a people that's living in this time for such a time as this. That's who we are right now for such a time as this. We want to serve your purpose in our generation. And Lord, we want to be a, a city set on a hill, a light that is broadcasting the life, the way, the kingdom of God, the way things ought to be, the way people ought to be loving and relating and, and worshiping God together and relating to each other. Lord, make us that kind of people. Make us that kind of Antioch people. In the name of Jesus, yeah, amen. And may the Lord bless you, and may he bless you today to walk in this truth more and more and more and more. May his kingdom come with power in your life. He loves you so much, and the good news is for you. But believe it again and again and again. May you go in peace, amen. Love you guys.